Welcome to our workshop on becoming a people of the word, loving, imagining, and embodying God's story. My name is Elmer Chen. I'm so sorry that I appear to have made uh, not quite enough handouts. And so, uh, please share if you can. Uh, if you would like me to send you a copy, you can text me there or email me there. How's that? All right. And I repent. I repent in dust and ashes. Uh, all right. So, so just let me know. What we'll get that to you. Uh, let's let's begin with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your amazing love towards us. Thank you for sending your Son, Jesus, and for the salvation he brings and the revelation he brings. Thank you that we can know you and that you've given us your Holy Word, inspired by your Spirit. And you've even left your Holy Spirit to guide us through it. And so, will you come and meet with us this morning? And in this session, will you guide us in our in our discussions, our conversations, and the things we present. And, and we pray, Lord, that these would become useful tools in your people's hands to come to know you and to know your word better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, uh, becoming a people of the word. The, the Jews were known as... A people of the book, the people of the Torah. And as North American 21st century Christians, we are fast becoming, or perhaps have already become, a people of the screen. Alright, is this true? That we're becoming a people of the screen? And, and the, we have our computers and our smartphones and tablets and, and we watch our movies and sitcoms and our social media, our YouTubing, and our texting, and all of this stuff is shaping us and transforming us in ways that we're not aware of. The culture around us uses the screen to spin a story in order to capture our imaginations and to capture our hearts and to shape us in their likeness. And if we are to grow and mature as disciples of Christ, we need to become a people of the Word by intentionally immersing ourselves in God's Word and in God's story. Okay. And we need to do this intentionally. The Old Testament people were defined by the story of the Exodus. How God, we were slaves in Egypt and God brought us out with an outstretched arm, with a mighty hand. They were defined by the story. And as the New Testament people of God, we have a new story. The story of Jesus Christ. Son of God come in the flesh. Died on the cross. Crucified for our sins. Risen from the dead. Ascended to heaven. This, and, and He's coming again. He's coming again. And He sends us out to make disciples until He returns. This is the story that defines us. This is who we are as a people. We have a new story. And so, becoming a people of the Word, we are to love God's story. And to love God is to love His Word. Deuteronomy 6, 5, and I'd invite you to turn there to Deuteronomy chapter 6. 
this passage is, or this verse is known as the Shema, which means to hear. And Jesus calls this the greatest of all the commandments. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And as you read the chapter around this very important verse, you will find that it is all about remembering God and fearing God and keeping His commandments. In fact, seven times in this chapter, it tells us to, to keep the word, to obey His commandments, to do all that He has commanded us to do again and again. Take care lest you forget. Remember, remember, and do what God has commanded you to do. Seven times I've given you the, script, the references there. To love God is to keep His commandments. And Jesus echoes the same message in the Pharaoh Discourse, John 14-16. to 16. If you love me, keep my commandments. And then He comes to the Last Supper. He says, remember me. It's the same message. Remember what I have done for you. And if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I want to read Deuteronomy 6, uh, verse 6 to 7. He, so he goes on from the Shema and he says, uh, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. And you shall put them on your doorposts and, and so on and so forth. Uh, you are to saturate your life with the Word of God. Fill your heart, fill your home with the Word of God so that it becomes a part of you. How do we love God's story? Number one, you read the Word. It's that simple. Read the Word. You know, they did a study uh, in which they, they, defined, they defined what a disciple looked like, what are the attributes of a disciple, and then they looked at different things that people did to help them to grow as disciples of Christ. And they found that the number one a predictor of someone growing as, as a disciple is that they are reading the Word of God regularly. Right? Simply reading the Word on a regular basis. The number one predictor of growth in discipleship. If you're not reading the Word of God every day, read it every day. And, and it will help you to grow. Uh, number two, obey the Word. Jesus, in his conclusion to the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about the two men, right? The wise and the foolish builders. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And when the rains came, it stood firm. Now, we all know the song, right? <laughs> what, what was he talking about? What is it that makes someone wise? How does someone build their house on the rock? Jesus was talking about practice. If anyone hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, it's about practicing the Word. Right? Obeying the Word. 
Number three, study the word. The Israelites were told to teach the word to their children. Why did they have to teach it? Because understanding of the word does not come automatically. Right? And sometimes it's even hard. You've, you've come across passages that you don't understand, right? Or am I the only one? <laughs> sometimes it takes some diligent study. Sometimes we have to dig. But Jesus, when he was 12, he went to the temple. He went to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. And um, afterwards, on the way home, his family, his parents saw that he was not with the family. So they went back. They looked for him for three days. They found him in the temple. What was he doing? He was sitting with the rabbis. He was listening to them teach. He was asking them questions. Jesus understood at age 12, you can't just open up the word and expect to understand it all. It takes study. And, And he used the resources that were available to him in order to learn and study and to grow in his understanding. So, uh, I gave you some keys here. Uh, you know, if you're reading, studying the Bible, seriously, you, you want to pay attention to the genre, the, the kind of literature that you have. Is it a, is it a parable? Is it uh, poetry? Is it narrative? History? What, is it a letter? So you want to pay attention to those things when you are reading the Bible. What kind of literature do we have? But these are just some general guidelines, general questions you can ask yourself. Right, first one, what is the big story? You know, in, uh, in verse 20, it says, When your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimony, statutes, and rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Remember the story. You need to know the big story. And as you read the Bible, the whole Bible is a story, isn't it? From beginning, from creation to the very end. As you're reading, know where you are in the story. It gives you, helps you to frame the, the passage and the, the verse that you are reading. Put a frame around it so you know where you are. Uh, so ask yourself these questions. Where is this passage? What's happening in the book? What's happening in the scene? Does it relate? So forth. Notice the last one. What I don't understand. Um, what further information do I need? And so this sends you to go and to dig deeper. Uh, perhaps you need to find some resources. I gave you a few websites uh, in the, at the back of your notes just to get you started. Uh, but make use of what resources you can to study the Word. Ask your pastor. Take a Bible course. All right. Um, right. Uh, Imagining God's story. Uh, Use your senses. So Deuteronomy 6, uh, 7 to 9, when you sit in your house, when you walk on the way, when you lie down, when you get up, you are to meditate on the Word of God day and night. did you know that uh, the, the Hebrew Bible is divided into three main parts? The law, the prophets, and the writings. Familiar? Sound familiar? Because Jesus uh, talked about this, right? Now, 
the first book of the prophets is Joshua. And the first book of the writings is the Psalms. And did you know that the very first chapter in each of these major sections of the, the Hebrew Bible gives us an exhortation to obey the word of God, to keep his commandments, and to meditate on it, right? He tells Joshua, be strong and courageous, I'll be with you. Be sure to obey the word. Be sure to keep these commands. Meditate on them day and night. And then Psalm 1, uh, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, but on his law he delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Do you get the impression that this is extremely important to God? We keep His commandments. We meditate on His Word day and night. Get it into our hearts. Right? Let it become a part of us. Now the Hebrews uh, would wear phylacteries. They, they had these uh, little pieces of scripture including this verse from Deuteronomy 6. And they would put them into these boxes and they put them on their forehead. They would wear them on their arms. Why? As a constant reminder of the Word of God. They belong to the Word. They belong to God. They are not their own. And, well, nowadays we can do better than that. We have, we have post-it notes. Right? Right? So we're told in this chapter to inscribe the law on our doorposts. Well... You may want to sell your house at some point and you don't want to renovate. So here's an easier way. Put up physical reminders of the scriptures that God is speaking to you. Stick it up on your fridge, on your mirror, on your desk, and wherever, around your house as reminders. And then as you go throughout your day, you can meditate on the word. You can be reminded of his truth and, and you can even use them as memorization tools. And we have these index cards index cards. The thing about index cards is that you can take them with you and they won't stick into the inside of your shirt pocket. And so God speaks to you in the morning through a scripture. You can write it down and you can memorize it. You can meditate on it throughout the day. Uh, Not while you're driving, but besides that, (laughs) yes, you can meditate, but just don't read the card. Uh, So I don't want any lawsuits coming out of this workshop. Uh, so make use of these things, but get the word. What we're doing is we are attaching God's word to our everyday, ordinary actions of our lives. When you sit in your house, when you walk along the way, when you lie down, when you rise, our everyday actions, this is how biblical truth becomes a way of biblical living, biblical way of life. And I suggest that if you haven't been in the Gospels lately, start with the Gospels, because the story of Jesus is the central story of your faith, the story of his life, of his death and resurrection. This is who you are. You've been crucified with Christ. You've been raised with Christ. The power of His resurrection lives in you through the Holy Spirit. This is our defining story. This is who we are. 
meditate on the story of Christ. Get it into your heart. So, how do we meditate on God's story? Uh, Number one, memorization. Have you noticed as you memorize scripture, you're you're meditating on it, right? Because you're reading it over and over, you're thinking it through, you're reciting it. As you memorize, you're meditating. And when you memorize scripture, it becomes accessible to you everywhere you go. It becomes a part of you. Oh, I forgot my sword. No, no, I didn't. It's right here in my heart. And I know this, and I know this verse. And it fits right here in my life. And I'm going to live it out this way. You're ready when you memorize. It's accessible to you. Um, why is this important? When you, when you repeat something, when you constantly meditate on the word, it helps you to get it into your heart. It becomes a part of you. Start with key verses that God is giving you. Uh, as you as you grow in this, you can expand to to larger passage. Push yourself. We don't push ourselves enough. Put, expand to passages, to chapters, to perhaps a short book of the Bible. All right, you can do this. <laughs> How do you eat an elephant? <laughs> right, one bite at a time. <laughs> That's how you memorize uh, larger portions of scripture. All right. Uh, number two, we meditate. Use your imagination. Use your imagination. God gave us our imaginations so that we can take His word, take His story, and make it live, make it come alive inside of us. All right. And and so we can meditate on God's word with with our imagination. Um, use your five senses. You know, when, when you read a story, like what do you see? What do you, what do you smell? What do you hear? Right? What, you're walking down the road with Jesus. What, how rough, how smooth is this? Are there stones? Like what is this thing? Just picture it. Put yourself into the story. Because if you don't, Use your, if you don't submit your imagination to God's word and to God's spirit, the world wants to capture your imagination with their stories. Do you know that when you watch a movie, you are simply following the imagination of the producer? And they're leading you down the wrong path. We need to give it back to God. Right? We need to give it back to God and redeem this thing. God, Jesus constantly used metaphors and stories very picturesque. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt becomes tasteless, what good is it? Can you, can you taste the salt as you, as you read this? You're the light of the world. Consider the lilies of the field. Right? There was a man who had two sons. And as you read the story, can you, can you follow this story? Can you see yourself in the pig barn. What does it look like? How dark is it in there? What does it smell like in there? What do you hear? How hungry are you? And what does that pig slop look like? Are you hungry for the love of the Father? Put yourself in the story. Make it come alive in you. And let God speak to you. It's okay to do this if you are guided by the scriptures 
and, and by the Holy Spirit. Surrender, submit your imagination to the Word and the Spirit and allow Him to shape your life. So Ignatius of Loyola, and don't mind that he is Catholic because this comes from Augustine and we all, Catholics and Protestants alike, trace our, in the West, trace our uh, ancestry back to Augustine. Uh, But Augustine thinks of the, the soul as being made up of memory, mind, and will. And your memory is your imagination. When you remember something, you're, you're thinking back. You're imagining the scene. All right. uh, so, as you read, you imagine, you think, you commit. First, you imagine, experience the scene with the five senses, as we've been talking about. And then you think about it. Use your mind. What does it mean? What can I learn about God, about me, about life? What is God saying to me? And finally, commit. Apply your will. I want to love God's ways. His way of wisdom. And I want to live it out in my life. Lastly, uh, how to become a people of the word? We embody God's story. God gave you a body as well. And He gave you a body in order to perform His story. If you think about the story of Scripture, if you think about this, the history of the world as this great drama that God is creating. God created the world, He's creating this drama, and you are an actor in it. You've been given a part. And so we are to take this script and actualize it, live it out, make it real, in the body, in our lives. That's what our bodies are for. Actors speak and they act according to the script. And now not everything, not every uh, situation in, in your life is going to be scripted, right? What do we do? Well, we improvise. Life is about improv. We immerse ourselves, we allow the Word to shape us, we come to know God, the author. We come to know the Holy Spirit, the director. We And we go out and we improvise. And we live it out. We live out His truth in the freedom that, that He gives us. Use your body well. Live out God's truth. Perform His word. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Romans 12.1 and as we meditate on God's Word, uh, it naturally leads to practicing His Word in, in everyday actions. Here's an old quote, you may have heard it before. So a thought reap an action, so an action reap a habit, so a habit reap a character, so a character reap a destiny. So we move from thought to, to actions, and from actions to habits. In order to transform your heart, in order to grow and to change, you need to change your habits. Yeah. If you think about it, your character is made up largely of your, of your habits and, and your attitudes, and your attitudes are really habits of the heart, habits of your mind, right? Uh, you need to change those things. And, and we need to very intentionally cultivate new habits, word-shaped, spirit-shaped habits. Our brains and our bodies are made in such a way that when we repeat an action over and over, it becomes an automated action. Microsoft did not invent that. God did. It, and, and you can automate your actions 
by creating habits so that you can do them without thinking. It becomes a part of you. And, and whether it's extinguishing a bad habit or creating a, a new one, it takes some very intentional effort. Have you, have you noticed yet Christian life is not effortless? <laughs> sometimes, it's, sometimes it's a real struggle. That's not what grace means. Grace doesn't mean that it's effortless. Grace means that God empowers you. Okay? It means God gives you the power. You have holy... It's like power steering or power brakes. You still have to do... You still have to push down on that thing, right? But there's power behind it. That's how the Holy Spirit works. That's how grace works. Um, so it takes some effort, intentional effort. Can't do this on cruise control. Now, some, some time ago... Uh, not very long ago, actually, only a few weeks. I decided that I need to increase my productivity, and so in order to do that, I need to uh, revamp my morning routine. And so, what did I do? I wrote out on paper: here is how my morning is going to go. These are the things that I'm going to do. And then I realized this is not going to work because I need to revamp my nighttime routine. And so, and so. I wrote that out, and here, here's what I want my nighttime routine to look like. And, and then when I start to do this, I'm trying to, to cultivate a new habit. But at the beginning, it's mechanical. I do this, then I do this. And then I look on my paper, then I do this, right? When you're, when you're creating a new habit, it takes very intentional effort. But when you've been down that path several times, Right, thousands of times it, it becomes effortless. It becomes automatic. It's like when you, when you, uh, when you are fighting your way through the bush for the first time. Right, right. you're breaking branches. You're treading down the, the the saplings, and and it's hard work. But when you've been down that road several times, it, you've built a path, and then and then perhaps you build a super highway. It becomes easy. Right. Breaking bad habits is, is just reverse. You, you, you're so used to going down this road, you do it automatically without thinking, but you need to intentionally stop yourself and go, wait a minute, I want to go this way. And you need to forge a new path. And again, it is breaking, finding your way through deep woods. It's not easy at first. It takes effort, grace empowered effort. But then, when you've been down that road, a thousand times you've built a path. You can do this by the grace that God gives you. All right. So take a, a key scripture that, that God is speaking to you and convert it into thoughts, and, uh, into actions and habits, new habits that honor God. For some of you, it could be performing an act of kindness every day. It could be giving your, your spouse or your kids a hug and, and an I love you every day. Uh, perhaps it, it's a matter of, uh, for some of you, it's every time I walk outside, I, I, need, to, I need to stop and, and look up and look around and take a breath and give thanks. God, you've created a good world, a beautiful world, and it keeps me alive, and it's good. And I'm not going to complain. I'm not. I'm, I'm going to stop complaining about this or that. All right. I'm going to give thanks. All right. So, what if every morning you read the word and came up with one simple application? It could be as simple as, "God is my salvation. 
I will trust in Him. I've been in the Psalms lately. It's so rich. God is my salvation. I will trust. And then take that with you through the day. Uh, in your index card, perhaps you can set an, an hourly time to remind yourself. And when it goes off, oh yes, God is my salvation. I will trust in Him. I can handle this. By the grace of God. It's by doing the word that we shape our habits and we allow the Holy Spirit to, to shape our character in our lives. So summary, how do, we, how do we love, how do we imagine, how do we embody God's word? You read his word, you study his word, memorize his word, meditate on his word, and you obey it, you put it to practice. All right, now... Um, how much time do we have here? Well, all right, can we? 11.30, okay, good. That's great, so why don't we, why don't we take about seven or eight of those minutes, all right? Open your Bibles to Matthew 27, <coughs> And, and just take some time alone with the Word and alone with God. Uh, Matthew 7, or 27, this is a part of the crucifixion story. Verses 32 to 44. And you begin by putting yourself in the presence of God. Read the passage slowly. Uh, out loud if possible, if you're alone at home or something. Here you, you might want to whisper it to yourself. You know, do whatever works for you when, when you're at home. Different people will prefer different things. You can read it silently or, or just, just, uh, just mouth the words. Um, and as you do, put yourself into the scene. Right. Imagine and then you think. Now let the Spirit guide you to a particular verse, a particular phrase or detail. And if that happens before you're through, it's okay to cap there too. All right? But just, just let the Holy Spirit guide you. And, and think on that verse. Allow Jesus to speak to you personally. And then commit. How will you respond? Okay, so, so let's just take, um, take about seven minutes or so and spend this time with the Lord. Right. Okay, let's, uh, let's come back together. Um, we have time limits in, in our setting. When you're at home, you can, you can take much more time, block off more time for this, and, uh, and not allow that to, to rush you. Um, it, would anyone like to share uh, something that that the Lord is showing you or speaking to you about through the Scripture? No pressure. Just if one or two. Hello. Okay. Um, so just generally, you see mockery in there. You see mistrust and unbelief towards God, hmm. and so just 
doing the opposite, trusting God, believing to mock him, knowing that he will not be mocked. Okay. Believing in him, obeying him. Okay. It struck me as really strange that you know, here they pay to kill an innocent man, but then they're saying, you know, the chief priest said it is not lawful to put the money in the temple treasury since it's the price of blood. So all of a sudden they've, they've almost grown morals, but it's like they're covering up a worse sin by trying to be obedient in another area. So it's, it's, it's such a contradiction, yeah. you know, doing a great evil, but then saying, well, this isn't right to put the money here. Let's just buy a potter's field to help strangers. Yeah. You know, it's, and it's, it's kind of like the nice things we do can't cover up the sins, we need to go to Jesus with their sins. Hmm. If they refuse to go to God with their sins. Okay. Thank you. Regarding God's word and habits, um, I am a person who is fortunate to have been attending church all my life. Different churches, though, as we moved to other communities hmm. and kept learning new things. I was in a church where God's word was really preached soundly and was very impacted by the, the music and the scripture. And when I was in a really dark time, I cried out and said, God, where are you? And I found the scripture that said, God inhabits the praises of his people. Mm -hmm. And I made a habit of every morning when I woke up worried that I would say no, and I would sing a song I knew, a, a gospel song, uh, or a scripture that came to mind, and to this day, every morning now, without even thinking, these scriptures come to me, a song comes to me, is a total part of my life. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah it, those good habits become a real gift. There from was the a Lord. time when yeah. I was so impressed with that, I found a little book and I just kept writing every morning mm -hmm. what it was God was telling me that morning. Okay. Very good. Okay. Amen. Thank you. Any thoughts about the process or, or any questions that you have before we wrap up? I just, what I was meditating on was Proverbs 3, verse 5. Um, um, it's been my, like, my life verse. And my mom made me memorize it when I was a kid, not realizing <laughs> how impacting it would be for me my entire life. And I'm so thankful that she made me memorize that one verse. Yeah. And um, but it's trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Mm -hmm. And I think that piece is very reflective of what you're talking about is removing our own understanding. And I've just realized when I get trapped, it's because I have been relying on my own thoughts and my own understanding. And it's because I haven't saturated myself with the word of God. It's mm -hmm. because I haven't meditating on the truth to combat um, my own thoughts. Hmm. And so while we were reflecting, I was picturing myself, which is often, is washing the dishes and how I, my mind just will go to places it shouldn't go. And if I just, so I'm like, I'm saying, trust the Lord with all your heart, Twyla. Just trust him with all your heart, like, where, where is your trust? Where is the word of God in your life? So that when you're washing dishes, you're not letting your mind 
take you places, but you're letting God's word take you places. Yeah. And I just love your description of imagining yourself um, in his story. You, you are a part of his story, and we need to get out of putting ourselves in our own story and try to picture ourselves in his story. Mm -hmm. like, that's just so profound. Yeah, yeah I really okay. appreciate that. Yeah. Okay. Great, thank you.